0: Back to the fish cast, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of recruiting. Uh, it's me and fish this round. Coach D had to jump off real fast to take care of something that we know is very important, so it's going to be me and you running this recruiting thing. and Let's start over with the Florida Gators, they had a couple of commits since we uh, last got together. Uh, linebacker EJ Lightsley out of G- Lightsley, out of Georgia, and we both like this kid. I think he's vastly underrated. Like when I looked at him, he reminded me and worst case scenario that he's going to be another Ventrell Miller, another kid that's going to give you a lot of snaps, a couple of years as a starter. He looks kind of like a leader. He's just, a, he's a good football player.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I got the chance to watch him early on and um, I love his film. I think he's very similar to Telvin Smith coming out of high school, little Lean. Uh, but he can run the one thing you notice on film is how quickly he pursues the ball carrier when he goes from point a to point b there's no hesitation he's downhill he's aggressive he gets in the backfield he makes a ton of plays in the backfield and there's one play on his highlight film and i know it's highlight film but it impressed me he comes up the field he he pressures a quarterback he just misses him he hits the ground he gets back up He misses him a a second time and then gets up a third time and chases the kid about 10 yards down the field and makes the tackle. And to me, that means that kid loves football. He doesn't stop until the whistle is blown. He showed me a lot on that one clip. I'd rather see that type of play than any other because effort is something that a kid can control. 100% of effort is, is controlled by that individual. And he showed so much of it. And his ability, he could drop in a coverage. He can pressure the quarterback off the edge. He is a modern-day type of linebacker for these spread offenses that you see across college football. I think he's one of the top players. The fact that he's a three-star on the networks I think is criminal, and I think the Gators got an elite-level linebacker.
0: That's part of my question. Like, when I look at him and I look at the film, I'm like, what are these guys looking at where they can underrate him this poorly? Like, I don't get it.
1: I think a lot of it is maybe the kid didn't go to seven on sevens or these camps and you know how it is these networks that I think sometimes they punish a kid. If they don't go to one of their camps, whether it's the underarm or the rivals camp or any of these camps, I think sometimes they will uh, punish one of those type of kids in the rankings. And I don't think it's fair. I could care less. I've had so many combines and camps as you have, and we've never ever punished a kid for not coming. We still rank the kid where we feel, He's due. And um, I think that's why college coaches and so many others listen to what we have to say is because we're going to give an honest assessment on a kid, even if it's, you know, we could be biased and say, oh, well, we talked to this kid more than other, but that's not legit. You know, you have to rank these kids how you see them. His film is legit. You can't argue. If you you go off his film, it's one of the better linebackers you're going to see on film, maybe not only in Georgia, but the southeast.
0: And that's the funny thing, because, you know, you'll hear a bunch of fans get on Dan Mullet about his recruitment, recruiting this, and he can't do this. And it's like, you see this kid, this kid's not going to boost your recruiting rankings, but he'll damn sure boost your on-field production and your ability to win a football game, which at the end of the day is what it comes down to.
1: Well, I like we discussed, the spread offense is... Have changed the role of what a linebacker is supposed to do. The days of you know the Sam Coward types and those guys, you know, the Michael Barrows, they were great linebackers in their day, but they would be defensive ends now, just because the game has changed. You can't, you have to have almost like a, a safety that's outgrown the position that plays linebacker. That's why Telvin Smith was so good. You look at the linebackers across college football; they could all run. This is something this kid can do. He flat-out runs. When you watch his pursuit, when he cuts through the line of scrimmage, he there's no hesitation. He he races to the ball carrier and drags him down and tackles them for a loss. And that's something that college coaches are constantly looking for. Plus, he has the ability to drop deeper in coverage. He's not going to get lost in the passing game. He's a complete player. I'm very surprised. I mean, I don't know if the kid's been injured, maybe – you know, I don't know the kid personally. Maybe it's a personality situation. But if you watch the film and go off the film, he is one of the top linebackers I've watched on film this year.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. The Gator's got a second commitment also from uh, a kid you're much you're, you're even you're more familiar with uh, It was right right in your backyard uh, down in Deerfield Beach, uh, offensive excuse me defensive lineman or offense he's, I think he's looks at it as an offensive lineman. is David, David Connor. Uh, long kid, big kid. You tell me he plays defense now, and you think he'll transfer? He'll uh, transition to the offensive line at the next level.
1: Well, he was at the Miami camp this summer. Um, their what it's the the Miami Hurricane special? You know, their big their big camp that they had yeah, in July. Yeah, their July camp. The um, I forgot the name of it, but. He was there with the Deerfield Beach group and they had him playing offensive line. He was, you know, he's one of those guys that he's a little thin right now. He's probably like 265, 270, but he's long and athletic. He's one of those players we talked about, like we've talked about with Lloyd Willis and some of these guys. He's not going to be someone that steps on campus and plays d- day one, but there's that ability to get bigger, faster, and stronger. With his athletic ability, you've got to like that he played on the defensive line. So it shows his athletic ability. He it seemed like he took to coaching really well at the Miami camp. Like every time they pulled him aside and tried to teach him a different technique or whatever, he listened. His eyes were focused on the coach, and then the next rep was better than the last one. So I think the ability's there. He's not going to be one that you know. I'm sure the Florida Gator fans are. I know they're hard on. Uh, their old line coach, but these are the type of kids you got to take chances on. We've talked about it before. If you're big, tall, long, and athletic, those type of kids don't grow on trees. This kid looks like a former basketball player. He's got very good feet. He's got the length. He's got all the tools. It's just, are you going to be patient? Is a kid going to be patient? And if they are, though, it's going to be worth the reward in the
0: end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, like you always say, you really can't coach that size and that length and those physical tools. Those things you just have to naturally have them.
1: Mm-hmm. No doubt.
0: Um, yeah. Moving on, Miami also got a commitment this uh, during during this past period that we were uh, on vacations and out and other various other things. Uh, Markeith Williams, uh, defensive back out of Orlando, continuing to really focus on recruiting in that secondary. What What are your thoughts on Williams?
1: i think miami's done a great job of solidifying uh their defensive backfield this was a, a weakness um you know i don't know if it was a weakness as much as that they took guys that could fit their system and we've always talked about this you've got to take guys and then out recruit those guys and do go above and that's what they've done this year you look at the kamari rogers kid you look at this Marquise williams kid you look at the chris graves kid they're very all similar in style length, and length and ability. They're all long. They're all athletic. They got good height. There's, you know, you're talking that six-two range. This kid reminds me of a throwback to the days. He reminds me of Daryl Williams, who played at American High School, uh, played at University of Miami. Uh, very similar. Kids are great in coverage. He, he has the ability to go back. He's rangy. You can put him on the hash, and play, and he could cover half the field. He can play in the slot. He has the ability to play man coverage. He can play zone. He gives you some versatility. He's just another important piece of that secondary class that may be one of the best top two, three in the country when all said and done.
0: Um, I guess my only concern with him is he's got the length. I think he's around 6'1, six, 6'1.5. One, six, one they list him as 170. He looked lighter than that. When you look at him and look at his frame, do you feel like there's going to be issues getting to the size that he needs to? Cause he's, he's more of a safety than a corner.
1: Yeah. I mean, I met him at the, one of the, um, I met him at the pylon event and he wasn't, he's not, even though he's skinny, he's got the body to put, I think he could play around 190, 195. Okay. Um, he's not going to be a 215 pound safety, but he's more of a free than a strong. And that's, like I said, he's more of a coverage guy. He's not a guy that you're going to put in the box and, hey, you know, he's that extra linebacker. He is a coverage guy, and that's what you're going to do. When teams go four and five wide, he can do his job. If you want to run – if you want to go against uh, a Boston college and you need a safety that's in the box and down the hill, that's not this kid's style.
0: Yeah, the one thing I did notice, he's very athletic, and he looks like he's a perfect fit for that deep safety role you know, like you said, a free, you know, just playing on that deep end and kind of roaming around center field and being able to track the ball. I did like his football IQ. I feel like it's a good fit for that position.
1: No doubt. Uh,
0: you know, moving on, we had a lot of the Florida kids that committed to out of state programs. The uh, First one I want, want to isolate on is a uh, Trey Donaldson safety from Tallahassee going to Auburn. um, you know, there were different uh, different opinions on what his recruitment situation was with the in-state programs, but he ends up at Auburn. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trey?
1: Trey's more of that we just talked about. Well, marqueth is more of that free safety. I think Trey could come up in the box, play the run. He's, he's physically our bigger kid. Uh, you can see he's almost built like uh, a, a undersized linebacker. He has, a, you know, broad back, wide shoulders. He's going to be able to put on more weight. He can run. I don't know if he could open up and run as well as Markeith, where he's flexible and that he could change direction really quick. And that's why I think he's more of an in-the-box. But he's ideal for what Auburn's always done on the back end of their defense. He's going to fit that SEC caliber safety. And Auburn's done a great job with these type of guys. Every time they take a kid from Florida like this, they seem to end up in the NFL draft in round three, four, or five and have productive careers. I expect the same for him. He comes from a very uh, a very good program. In Tallahassee, he's a good kid. I think character-wise, he's a high-character kid. So I think Auburn got a very good player.
0: Um, yeah, uh, Deerfield Beach, um, where David Connor was, where he saw Florida also, I think they had four or five other kids make their announcements um, the same day. We're going to go over a couple of them right now, a couple that really stand out. The first one I'm going to ask you about is Jason Patterson, a running back, uh, 5'10", 5'11", 190, um, going to Iowa, going into the Big Ten. Uh, I know you've seen him a lot. Uh, overall, how is, it, is this a good fit for Iowa? They like bigger backs. They've done a good job in South Florida over the years, but you know, size-wise, he doesn't. Is he a three-down back at a place like Iowa?
1: No, I mean, I think he's a little different than what what Iowa fans are used to. Um, It's interesting. Liddell Betts is now the running back coach at Iowa. He was a high school coach at Pinecrest last year. So I think him being down here, he got to watch probably some film of this kid. Um, He was somebody that I told him before he left to Iowa This a kid that he should check out. Uh, He's a different type of player. He's more of a slasher, uh, a more of a spread type back. He gives... Iowa, that ability to create the big play, something that they've lacked. I think we've talked about this. When you take a speed player in Florida and put them in the Big Ten, that speed looks a lot faster in that conference. And I think this is a good fit for Iowa. Is he an every down back? No. But if they could have a pounder uh, type back that they could pound out yards and then all of a sudden put this kid in there and the team's tired and all of a – he gets one shot at a hole and that's it. He's off to the races and he can break off those long touchdown runs. I think he's going to be a very good player at Iowa. We talked about fits. This is a very good fit. This is a kid that can run fast, but he understands. I've seen this before where kids like this go to the ACC and they think, oh, well, I'm fast. Well, everybody in the ACC is fast. I think the, that the fact that this kid picked a school like Iowa that you know is going to have a big old line they're going to be at a run block, and he can – be faster than everybody else in that conference. It's a great fit for not all, only Iowa but also uh, Patterson as well.
0: Yeah, um, that's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty exciting move, and like you know, and for a school like Iowa to get that sort of speed in there, that's a it's a big boost. And you know, they're they're one of those programs we we generally typecast them as you know kind of a big rumbling program, but. You know, at times they've had speed in there. When they do, it, it makes a big difference on what they do because, like you said, they are so physical up front. And you know, the you know a, a, a faster running back can you know get a lot more yards with a line like that blocking in front of them. Um, you know, moving on, another player from Deerfield we're going to look at is defensive lineman Alton Tarber. Uh, looks like they got him listed about six foot 6'1", 305. Uh, I'm thinking zero tech, nose guard type of player from what I see. Uh, He's committing to Georgia Tech, which makes sense because they do want a lot of odd man fronts.
1: Yeah, Alton's more of – he's not – he's built kind of – we've seen him before like a Kendrick Stewart type, a little undersized, quick. He's going to shoot the gaps. Uh, You're going to rely on his quickness. He's not a real big kid, but he fits what uh, Jeff Collins is going to want. He wants a guy that could get in the backfield, make plays – He's going to make a lot of plays in the backfield. Now, when they play a bigger offensive line, he may struggle a little bit, but he's strong for his size. He's not just because he's small, don't make it seem like he's not a powerful kid. He's very powerful in the lower body. Like I said, he's very good against the run, and he could give you some pass rush on third downs. Uh, You know, overall, he's a good player. He's probably a top 50, top 60 type player in the state of Florida. So Georgia Tech comes into Florida and grabs another player that. The big, yeah, you know, I think Miami was looking at him a little bit, so they're coming in and they're getting very good players and they're upgrading that team. But one thing this shows, I don't know, Corey. I mean, you keep saying Deerfield Beach, Deerfield Beach. They got a lot of talent on this team, and and, and <laughs> there's not many teams that could sit there and say they have four. I mean, who knows how many more kids they have uh, on their roster that could go Division One? But it's pretty amazing how many of these kids they keep pumping out every year.
0: Yeah, they had a couple of kids that we we're, we're not touching on that ended up going. Up. I think one is going to go to Youngstown State, and one is going to go to I think Grand Valley State. So uh, they had a they had a nice day. They had a very nice day. Congratulations to that program for producing you know a lot of college talent. Um, another player I want to get to, um, you know, another player that committed to Georgia Tech, Jalen Marshall. Um, a you know he seems to be kind of a he kind of he plays a hybrid role at Miami Central you know I've seen him I watched him film I've seen him he can play some corner some safety I saw him line up on the edge at one point as a blitzer do some outside linebacker stuff he looks like a really interesting piece looks like a really interesting um uh, uh piece on defense that you can move around a little bit
1: you know it's he's one of those guys you got to figure out where he's going to play because he's so big tall and long does he stay at safety is he you know he's not james williams where you're like all right this is a big long athletic safety he can play there he's athletic enough is he one of those guys that's going to grow into a linebacker he's got a ton of potential he's a raw kid but he's one of those guys that if he develops he could be a sunday player um, he has a lot of talent he just has to put it all together
0: now, what do you think about what Georgia Tech's doing? We look at these last two commits that they take. I, I think Jeff you know, I know Jeff Collins is on a bit of a hot seat this year because these rebuilds take time, but I think he's bringing the right kids into the program.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Georgia Tech doesn't give him five years after what they went through with the last coach who basically did not only not recruit, he left Jeff Collins a roster of players that can't play in the ACC. I mean, it's just... I'm sorry, like this was a true, true rebuild, Uh, one that is was a four or five year plan. And if you weren't willing, if you're not willing to give him four or five years, then honestly, you're being silly as a program, he he had to go from a option offense to guys that were undersized on the offensive line and a bunch of guys that probably can't block with anything. And, And now he had to change that change the whole line change the defense, they weren't very talented on defense. Uh, and then the skill sets and the, and the quarterbacks, he has a second-year quarterback. I think they're going to be a lot better this year. Their running game is going to be much improved. And next, not, not this year, but next year, when these guys have all been in the program together for three years, Gibbs, Sims, they can make a run on their side uh, if things go right. So I don't see why they, that Jeff Collins would be on the hot seat. These guys he's bringing in. Are improving that roster. He continues to bring in better players than that were there before, and that's what it is. It's it's a process at a school like that. You got to keep getting better than the guy you that you just lost, and that's what he's doing. He's getting better players.
0: When we talk, I mean, you and I have talked about recruiting at Georgia Tech quite a bit more than people would think. Um, Do you think that Collins is starting to recruit? at the level that what we expect you know it's a school it's located in the heart of Atlanta we've both been on the campus many times it's a great stadium it's a great campus that kind of engulfs itself in that part of the city and you feel like they should be able to recruit pretty well especially when you get down in the south florida where kids are going to go to atlanta and not feel you know they're going to feel a level of familiarity with the overall environment as compared to being somewhere else
1: Yeah, I mean, you and I know that when Atlanta is a great city, it should be a, pro. you know, listen, they've won a championship more recently than Georgia. And I mean, you know, they, they, under Bobby Ross, they were a hell of a program and they've had a lot of success uh, under certain coaches, but it hasn't been sustained. And a lot of that, I just think because of programs, it's not an easy school to get into but you gotta be patient. This isn't, a, this isn't one of the programs, the premier programs where you go in there and you fix it in a year or two. Jeff's done a very good job. That roster was depleted and it was not a good roster. I don't wanna say it was FIU bad when Don Strock left it to Mario, but it wasn't much better. And, and at a school like Georgia Tech, where there's a lot of talent in that area, they turned away a lot of kids. And they ran, a, they ran an offense that kids didn't want to go play for. And, and that's what he had to – he had to change that mentality. The, the offense alignment that were at Georgia Tech, he had six, three tackles that all they knew how to do was chop block. Now he had to, he had to teach these guys up front how to actually block normal. And, you know, I just think that it's a process. Yeah, he hasn't broken through yet. But this is – I think this year if he could get that program to about five or six wins – I think year four, he's gone. You can see that next year, I truly believe, in 2022, Jeff Sims will be a a two-year – he will have already started for two years. He's going in his junior year. Gibbs is going to be hitting his mark. Some of those guys that he brought in offensively are going to get to that point. I mean, he didn't have a lot of receivers on that team. You know, you go look at their roster, they have one of the – one of the weakest units of receivers in the ACC and he's starting to improve that. You just need time. And we've talked about this. Not every program is the same. You can't look at every program the same, you know, as well as I do that, that program was in rough shape when he took it over. I don't care which coach went in there. It was going to be at least a three to four year process just because they ran a certain scheme and he had to run all those kids out and basically replenish that roster with kids that could actually play Uh, a a style of offense that kids want to play for now.
0: And I don't want to make it seem like we're ripping Paul Johnson. I think Paul Johnson was a great coach. He did. He won a lot of games there. I think he took them to, I think, I don't know if he won an ACC title there. I know he took them to the title game on a few occasions. Yeah. They played,
1: they, I think they played Mississippi state in the orange bowl one year, but yeah. yeah, So it's not like he, I'm not ripping him. He had success, but the players that he had are not, they're not the players that Jeff Collins needs to win consistently in that conference.
0: Yeah. And I guess my question to you with that is that, you know, he came from Navy. So he ran similar, similar schemes to the one that he ran at Navy, which take different players. They run a midline run option stuff. So it's a totally different skill set of players than you need in virtually any other power five program. I mean, I don't think any other power five program were doing what they were doing in very few FBS schools and all, So in in hindsight, uh, I guess, I guess I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is hiring a guy like Paul Johnson, when you hire somebody beyond him, who you know is going to do something totally different, you pretty much have to assume that it's going to take at least at the least one full cycle of recruits to get your program up to par with the rest of the conference. Right?
1: Yeah, there's no, it's going to take, it just, it's, it's a work in progress at a school like that. And you need time to to build that program to where they needed to be at. It just they at the end, at the end of the Johnson era, they were not a good football team. I mean, one, they had a, a staff that was basically out, you know, they they needed to get rid of the guys on that staff. Uh, they needed to change the philosophy. I just think a lot of kids didn't want to play in that system. And it just was a program that was kind of like it's one of those, it's almost like that NFL team that's eight and eight every year. They never get good enough to win a Super Bowl, and they're never bad enough to get the first play in the draft. Like this program needed to be gutted and scrapped and started over again. And that's what they've done. They've done that. And I, I think the people at that program and the, uh, the administrators have to understand that when you go from an option offense and what they were doing, and they weren't good on defense either. Let's, Let's be honest. I mean, they when they were even in the Johnson eras when they were good, their defense would give up forty points in a game. So, like you would think with the offense that they ran, that their defense would be a lot better because they weren't on the field. But they weren't. They they'd have to score quickly with that offense, and and it just the roster got imbalanced, and they needed to change everything about that program. And now you have a coach that's paying the price. He just they need to give him time.
0: Real quickly, before we jump off, I just saw a UCF got a commit from a tight end, Grant Stevens, up at Neese nice High School. They got him listed at 6'4", 225.
1: Do you know anything about him? Yeah, I think he, he, you know, for what Miles on's going to want to do, you know, the, the, they'll use him a little bit in the passing game. I think he'll help uh, on the run game more. He's, he's a guy that basically can inline block. You could get him. Uh, to seal off the edge on those jet sweeps. He's going to be a good player. He's a foundation-type pro. uh, He's a program-type player. He's going to come in he'll provide depth. I don't know if he's, you know, he's not one of the top tight ends in the state of Florida, but he's a very good player. He's a a borderline uh, Power 5-type kid. We've talked about this. They are recruiting above their level at UCF, and if they're going to do that at the G5 level, they're going to beat a lot of football teams with Gus Malzahn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, UCF, of course, they open up their season. And oh my God, fish! It's like ten days. It's like nine days away. They open up with Boise State. Uh, we got some games this weekend. None, none in the state. But uh, UCF will be the first of the state schools. Uh, I think both them and uh, USF. They both open up on Thursday night. I'm not. I think if mean, USF opens on Thursday or Friday against NC State.
1: Well, but, I, I put it this way: If Illinois somehow finds a way to beat Nebraska then Scott Frost may want to come on our podcast because we give good luck to people. All right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That that game will be happening this weekend. Yeah. Uh, And I'll tell you one guy that consistently plays above his level is Charles Fishbine as one of the great evaluators in not only the state of Florida, but in all of college football. And uh, once again, thank you for listening to the fish cast, the fish cast. You can find us on Twitter at the fish podcast, and of course, we are now part of the FNF Coaches Podcast Network. Uh, oh, any final thoughts this week, Fish, when we get into real football game. We got real football games coming on Friday with high school football. You saw um you saw Dillard last week, right? And Jack Kelly. Yeah,
1: I saw I was, I I got to see Najella Kelly. He he he's lived up to the hype, um, was a very good player. He's very good against the run. I you know, as far as a pass rusher. I think he's kind of like a Demarcus Walker type, where you could move him inside on four, third down and long, and get some pressure up the middle of the field. He's a seven-eight sack guy, but what he does so well is he sets that edge. He's hard to run on, and he ha- he's a smart, instinctual kid. You know, there was only one play; where it was crazy. They were playing Shamanod and all the- they just kept doing the um, the quarterback just did the handoff, 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 and then one time he slipped out the back end. <laughs> with the ball and and Nigella got caught too, too far inside. The quarterback got to the edge and he scored. He didn't get that same play again. I could tell you that he learned his lesson. He stayed home the rest of the game and he either made the tackle behind the line of scrimmage or forced the running quarterback to hand the ball off. So he understood he's an instinctual kid. Uh, you know, Kenyatta Walker um, uh, the kid that uh, he's a Chaminade kid. Chaminade has some great players on their side of the, all the defensive end that uh, Clemson and Ohio state, he's good. I didn't think he, he played as well as uh, Kelly did. Uh, but the future of um, is that Dillard, they got two kids. Uh, they got a kid, Anton Walker, um, a defensive back. That's going to be really good. They've got players there. Dillard, one thing they have, they're loaded. If they could ever keep them there uh, for the length of their uh, high school uh, career. This is a team that two or three years from now could be very good. Because these were all freshmen uh, playing at a high level. But uh, it was good to get back out there and see an actual game.
0: Yeah, I was out there for a little bit at uh, plants at Lake Gibson High School in, Pl- in Lakeland, Florida. Uh watched Cremonti McClain. He had three interceptions. He returned all three for touchdowns. Two got called back. So he gets credit for one pick six. And I tell you, Fish, and you, you know that's pretty much my area, Polk County, Florida, I think he's the best player in Polk County High School since Derwin. I'm not sure if he's as good as Derwin, you know, probably not as big. I, I worry that he's getting so tall and long that he might outgrow cornerback. But uh, for my for my money, there's never been a cornerback on his level that I've ever seen in Polk County High School. You know, Derwin played kind of that safety linebacker role and was such a big, impressive physical kid, but no one can cover like McLean. I've, I've never seen – a player in this kind and Paul kind of cover like him.
1: Right. I mean, it happens every, you, you go across the state of Florida. There's always that one kid, the kid by the way at dealer is Antoine Jackson, not Antoine Walker. Uh, I don't want anybody to be calling me and said, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, the other kid, uh, Corey, you're going to watch out for, uh, they've got a kid named. They got it. I forgot the kid's name, but, uh, they have a, they have a defensive tackle that's a freshman over there that's going to be really really good yeah. and, and a big time player Ar- Armando, Blount. Armando Blount Blount he's a wow. 2025 freshman uh, defensive lineman he was constantly making plays um, I saw that he's already been offered by Florida Florida State and Miami but, but going back to McLean those type of players ever you know Derwin was one of those once a uh, generational player. I think we can agree that Carlos was one of those players athletically. He didn't oh, live God. up to uh, live up to the hype. But one thing about that area, they have produced a ton of great football players. And and Carmani's just another one in a long line of guys that's come through that area. And if he keeps his head on straight, you're talking about a top 10 pick in the NFL draft one day. So
0: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, get a chance to see him. Jalen Glover, the running back we've talked about, heading to Utah. He looks like he's gotten back down. to. I know he got a little heavy in the offseason, a little heavy with the weights, but he's getting back down to his normal running weight, which happens when you're practicing in 100-degree weather every day. And uh, I think he scored two or three touchdowns. He looks very good. Going to be a really good fit in Utah, I think. I really think he chose the right place for him. Uh, Got a good look at Sam McCall, too. And and I hate that we're dragging us out a little bit, but – I tell you, Fish, I think he's going to play wide receiver in high, in college. I, I see Sam as more of an offensive guy at the next level the more I look at him.
1: When we talked about it, you know, with Sam and, and Travis Hunter, Florida State has to make a decision. To, do you want to get one side of the – they've got to make a decision. Do they want to get one side of the ball where it's elite? And I think they could do that quicker if you put McCall and Hunter – On the off, I think they could get corners and safeties, but if you put those two guys on offense, your offense goes from a good offense to with Duffy, all of a sudden, you can score 40 a game. You could figure it out on defense. You can't find playmakers. And both of those guys are dangerous with the ball in their hands. And it's just a decision. They're going to have to decide they want to make or not. Both kids want to play on offense and they may have to do it uh, to get that side of the ball to an elite level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now we close it up by saying you can uh you you can, you can find us on Twitter at the Fish Podcast, and of course we're now part of the FNF Coaches Podcast Network. Anywhere else where you find your podcast, you'll find us there too. Whether it be at Apple, whether it be at SoundCloud, um, whether it be at Spotify, and make sure to give us a five star ranking because that helps us out a lot and gets us at the top of the list. Thank you very much for all those those that have visited those sites and given us a five-star ranking um it's getting closer fish i mean you know what you can feel it you when you can this weekend it's big weekend for you because your week starts like thursday like every every, most of us high school in my part of the state it's friday night with you it's thursday friday and saturday it's like a never it's like a never-ending trope
1: yeah, we're like the Mac. We play on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, <laughs> Thursdays, Friday, Saturday. They play on any day of the week down here if they can. So.
0: Yeah, and definitely, if you see, if you if you see if you guys see fish out of your high school game, probably holding a camera and filming it. Make sure to go up to them and say hi and say that you love the podcast.
1: No doubt, man. Well, I appreciate it. I look forward to talking again real soon, buddy.
0: Absolutely. You take care. Have a great one.
1: Thanks.